So last week we kicked off our Flipping Christmas series. Flipping Christmas is all about this. How the Christmas story is actually one huge illustration and one huge uh, example of how God operates upside down or flipped from the way we're used to operating in the world. How it's a big example of everything's kind of flipped upside down in the kingdom of God and how that operates. And the Christmas story is an example of that. So last week... Uh, if you missed it, didn't watch it, uh, if you weren't able to be here, uh, whatever it was, we talked about the wise men. And we talked about how they're actually called Magoi, they're the Magi, and how their background of, uh, of not even being very religious and not being very God-believing, that still got them in the presence of the King, uh, in the presence of the Savior, in the presence of Jesus, and how God doesn't really judge us or disqualify us based on our past, but it's just He wants us in His presence and He changes us from there and how everything's flipped upside down from how we do things. And we're actually leaning into that a little bit more again today as we go into Mary and Joseph. But just a quick review on last week, if you were here, how old, sorry about choke, how old do we believe that uh, Jesus was whenever the Magi showed up? He was about how old? About two years old, closer to two years old, probably wasn't a baby. They weren't in a main, in a stable, but they were in a house that's right man you guys are good y'all know it um they were in a house he was probably about two years old he was close to a toddler which is why king herod said what he said go kill all the babies that are two and under that's right and so there's all this history and theology that that goes into this thing and, and all this so today what i want to do is so we're over here in the in the wise man story i want to back us way up today and i want to take us back to when mary and joseph actually enter the story now, I think we would all agree, no matter where we are in, uh, in our belief in Jesus, in our spiritual journey and life, and have no, make no mistake, it is a spiritual journey every single day, right? Because we're not, we are not, ha this is not our home. Earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. Uh, this is our journey. This is where we walk it out every day. So with that, knowing that, Mary and Joseph, I think we would all agree they're probably important players in the story of Christmas, right? Probably really, really important. So... Let's back up and let's look at this. So Mary and Joseph, as we know in the story, are engaged to be married. There's actually one uh, way that it's said is Mary is betrothed to Joseph. There's actually a really, really good reason that that wording is in there because it's a whole uh, example of things. I'm not diving into that today. That's either going to be a bonus episode of a podcast or maybe on the 26th I'll get to it. But it's actually a the betrothal process is a foreshadow of eternity with Jesus and what that looks like. It's an incredible thing. But so they're engaged. But what does it look like for them to be engaged? Like, I think we need to understand context and culture to understand what God's trying to do. So follow with me a little while today and take some notes. It's going to be good. So when we talk about engaged, it's not the engaged to be married that we think of in the Western world and in, as Americans, right? Because in America, it's like, hey, I like her. I like him. Let me go into debt for the biggest diamond I can buy. And hey, will you marry me? Right? No. And, and let me give you some advice. If you're not married yet, buy the little diamond first and replace it in 10 years. You're a hero. You're welcome. When you get a real job, you can afford a big one. Um, <laughs> so you do all that right and you're on that one knee and you're like you do it up right like my engagement story I'm just telling y'all I'm just telling y'all I do it right I did it right I right here this guy Casanova that's who I am right I did it good you can ask me the story later and I'll embellish it so it sounds better so <laughs> that's not what it was here's what it was Joseph and his dad decided Joseph was like I want to marry Mary 
I want to marry Mary. And so he was like, let me go talk to her dad. And they came to an agreement. It would be an agreement of how much land or how many livestock or how many years of working together or whatever. They would ask, what am I get? Basically, the dad would go, what do I get out of this? And so he would get something in order to have Mary as his fiance. He wouldn't get on one knee. There was this process where they go through, and now they're betrothed, which means they're committed to each other. And when they're betrothed to each other, Joseph, during the engagement process, would go back to where his father and his family lived, right? And I'm trying not to get too much into this because it really excites me to talk about it, but I'm trying not to. He goes back and he would build a house and prepare a place. There's a foreshadow for you if you know uh, about eternity. He went to prepare a place for his bride and, and then he'd go there for a while. So here's what happens. They're engaged, right? And Joseph leaves his fiance for a while. Now they didn't have... They didn't have cell phones, and they didn't have FaceTime, and they didn't have Zoom. Y'all know that. All that stuff back then. So they were just like sending carrier pigeons, I guess, writing notes back and forth. I don't know. And so he was away from Mary <coughs> during the season, and Mary knows that when he comes back, her life is going to change because she's going to get married, and she's going to begin the married lifestyle. Now, here's why that is beneficial for her, and this is important to know later, too. The women didn't have value in that day. We talk about this a lot. you got to understand the culture. They didn't have value in that day. They were as valuable as the person they were married to. That's important to know. So when she got married, she would suddenly have value in her life. So all this stuff's going on, and Joseph's out of the picture, right? And so while Joseph is out of the picture, we see something that takes place in Luke chapter 1, in verses 26 through 31. You've heard this before. You know this, this part of the story. But I want to read it because it's really, really interesting what takes place. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she thought I was pretty perplexing, and, and she said she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Now, can, I, can we be real honest? Right? If somebody busts up in the room in front of you and you weren't expecting them and they said, greetings, favored one, first of all, that's weird. It's just odd, right? And then they go, don't be afraid. That's almost like looking at somebody and going, I'm not trying to offend you with what I'm about to say. You're going to offend them with what comes after that statement. Or I'm not trying to be mean. No, you're going to be mean next. Like, don't be afraid. I'm afraid. I'm officially afraid. So I just want to put us in the shoes of this teenager. Mary was about 14 to 17 years old, somewhere around in there at this time of a teenager. And this angel shows up and goes, don't be afraid. You're favored. You're good. And he says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And we know that part of the story. It doesn't even matter if you grew up in church, to be quite honest. You've heard that part of the story. The angel shows up Mary's pure, she's a virgin, she's never done what needed to be done in order to have a baby. An angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, goes, hey, hey Mary, I know you're a teenager and you're a female, so you have very little value and you're very young and not mature, but you're going to bear a son even though you haven't done what you need to do to bear a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Now what I find interesting about this is not just the miraculous part of the story, because there is that, and, and I want to hit on that. But if you back up and you look in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, something, something interesting happens. And I think as I read this, you're going to see a, a, a strong parallel here that takes place. Watch this, 
Luke chapter 1, 11 through 13. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now this is to Zechariah, a priest. Appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. Of course he did. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. For your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him what? John. Wow. Doesn't that sound eerily similar to what was just said to Mary? Or said, actually, this happened before. But doesn't that sound eerily similar to what the angel said to Mary? Watch this. Let's find out who that angel was. Flip over to verse 19 of Luke chapter 1. It says, and the angel answered him and said to him, I am who? Gabriel. Wow. So the same angel that had just visited Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, here's the backstory on that. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. They weren't supposed to have kids. Their bodies weren't prepared for kids. They weren't able to bear kids, to have kids, right? And so Zechariah shows up and he goes, hey, I know you've been praying. Like if it's God's will, you ever done that? God, if it's your will, right? Hey, I know you've been praying. I know you've been asking and here's what's going to happen. You're going to bear a son. And Zechariah's like, wait a second, I'm way too old. It's a stark resemblance to Abraham back in the Old Testament. And, and, and so they come in, and he's like, no, you're going to bear a son. Your wife, I know, she's too old. She can't, her womb should be closed, but I'm just telling you, I'm opening it. I'm giving you a son named John. John the Baptist is what we know him as. Don't be afraid. Now, here's the thing to remember about Zechariah, because we're about to make a, a connection here. Zechariah and Elizabeth were part of a high family. They were priests. The reason it says the angel showed up at the right of the altar of incense Watch this, it's because Zechariah was actually helping other people. He was a priest, so he was considered holier than most people. You know somebody like that in your life? You're like, they talk to Jesus way more. If they pray, he hears them more than me, right? Stuff like that. That's, that was Zechariah back in that day, and they actually believed that hierarchy that because he was a priest, he could get through to God easier, he was closer to God, and he was helping people make their sacrifices and their prayers at that time when the angel shows up. So you got Zechariah and Elizabeth that are up here, and they're just going nuts, man. They're like, holy cow, that is amazing. People, when, they, when Zechariah walked in a room as a priest, man, people parted and walked out of the way. They, they, they loved Zechariah. But then you got a teenager that is a female. So not only does she not have much value, but she's also very immature and very young. She hasn't been able to, to even figure out what she's good at in life yet, all this stuff. So you got a young female who gets the exact same uh, a greeting and miracle given to her that Zechariah the high priest did. Why is that interesting? Because isn't it? Don't, let's back up for a minute. Let's put it in our context. When I get to see presents, y'all, I like getting gifts. I like giving gifts, but I like getting gifts. You know what presents I like? The big presents. I like big presents, right? Because little presents, yes, you can fit trunk keys in there, but ain't nobody buying me a Ford Raptor. But if you want to, you can put them in a box like that. I got a box for you. I'll give it to you right here. You don't owe me a thing right here. Ford Raptor trail, uh, you know, like the, the Chevy Trail Boss. I'm fine with that too. Whatever. But I'm going with the big gift. You know why I'm going with the big gift? Because in my, my selfish, humanistic mind, this is where most of us go, the bigger the gift, the more valuable that it is, right? Like there's something bigger in there. There's something greater in there. Yeah, there's a chance there's something good in here, but there's a greater chance there's something good in here because there's more room to fill in here, so there's got to be something valuable in here. I don't know what it is, because you can fit a diamond ring in here, but the truth is, I don't need a diamond ring, and if you give one to my wife, we'll fight in the parking lot afterwards, right? Like, the truth is, is like, for real, 
eh, this is how we see things in today's world. Think about it like this. CEO, employee. <laughs> rich, not so rich. Somebody who makes 150000 a year, somebody who makes 30000 a year. That, that's how we, we judge things. The bigger it is, we're just, that's, our, that's our American mindset. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that's how we're raised. Not to do that. Will you hear me that, Doug? You are incredible. And that did not work right. Thank, thank, you are a saint. Y'all give it up for Doug. He's, he hates the spotlight, first of all. So. But we, we're taught, like we're raised, we're infiltrated with this idea that bigger is better. Shinier is better. Newer is better. All this stuff. So think about it like this. Zechariah comes along, and Zechariah is this big dog. Zechariah is this holy guy, this priest that helps other people make their, make their sacrifices and their prayers. And he comes along and he's the big dog. Everybody walks around, they're like, I want to get in touch with the big present. Old Zechariah, that's the man right there. Nobody would think it was weird that Zechariah was going to have a baby when he was too, too old to have a baby. You know why? He's the big present up closer to God. But now you got the exact same thing happening to Mary. And nobody expected Mary. Because everybody was like, Mary, Joseph is preparing a house for you? And you're cheating on him? How dare you? And so she gets labeled with this, this, this scarlet letter before they even know the story. You follow what I'm saying? And so we look at it like this, but I love what God, remember the series is all about flipping, flipping things and, and how God flips everything and he flips it upside down and turns it from the way we think because we think bigger is better, greater is better. But God goes, no, 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 I don't see it like that. I see it that both are the same. Yes, this guy right here, Zechariah is the prophet and he's, he's the priest and he's up here and he's closer to God. I know you guys see that. But here's the truth. I see Mary as somebody that can be close to God too. And I see Mary as, as she may not have value to you, but she has value to me. And she may be a teenager to you, but she submitted to me. I, I, I know it's kind of crazy, but I'm telling you that she's the same size, the same dimensions. They can be at the same height with God. And God looks and he goes, I'm not looking at you based on the hierarchy totem pole that you base everything off of. I'm looking at submission and emptiness and willingness and everything that you have. Are you willing and ready to be used by me? It's not about, see, God doesn't go, okay, he spent 30 years in theology seminary. And he can spit off every Greek and Hebrew word that you could never pronounce or spell anyway. So he's more favored. Now God goes, he's favored because he's willing. And she's favored because she's willing. And their child, they're, they're children of mine. And because they're children of mine, I love them equally. And I will use them. And here's the thing that we have to remember. This is the Christmas story right here. And I told you we were going to lean into it from last week too. The Christmas story is God will use anyone to accomplish his purpose. I know, I know, I know, I know. That sounds weird. You're like, yeah, but. No, no, no. I'm telling you, God will use anyone to accomplish his purpose. You're not smart enough, good enough, holy enough, or great enough to offset God's purpose. He is God, not you, and not me. He will use anyone. All he needs is an empty box to put something in. And I love the fact 
that you have the same, isn't it crazy? It is the exact same miracle in two completely different people on two completely different levels at two completely different points of their life. You got a teenager and an old man. You got a priest and you got a, 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 a woman. You got somebody that's already had kids and is too old to have any more, and you got somebody that's never even done what they needed to do to have kids in the first place. Both wombs are completely closed, should not be opened up. Both wombs should not have kids, but they're carrying the same miracle because God will use anybody at any time to accomplish his purpose. And isn't it quite the treat and quite the honor that God goes, there's things I want to do in the earth, and I'm going to do them through you. And he partners with us. He doesn't look at you and go, all right, this is what I want you to do. Now go accomplish it. No, he goes, I'll walk with you. I'll, I'll help you. I'll, in fact, I'm going to send something called the Holy Spirit that will empower you and lead you and guide you to make it happen. He doesn't just go, go do it. Isn't it, isn't it great? Watch this. This is, this. this is where it gets real. Isn't it great that I don't have to be a high priest to work on my marriage? I just got to be somebody that loves God to work on my marriage. Isn't it great that I don't have to be a millionaire to be generous to his church? I just got to be willing and love him to be generous to his church. I don't have to be the most theologically known guy around to serve in my kids' area. I just have to be willing to serve in the kids' area. Isn't it great? And watch this. Come on. Let's look at it this way. They're carrying miracles. But where in the Bible does it say they're going to carry a miracle and there's not going to be any doubt and everything's going to be great? There's not. In fact, the miracle came with a lot of complications. We're going to talk about some of those in just a minute. Hear me. If you're wanting God's blessing without complications, you're just wanting an easy life, not God. Big difference. I can't expect God to move. See, some of us, we want... <laughs> This is, <laughs> some of us, we want to go through life with ease. But all we're really doing is trying to live a life that doesn't tick the devil off. Because if he comes at me, he's mad at something I'm doing. I'm making some progress. You know why the enemy's going to come at these two later in the stories? Because they're doing something. They're carrying something of weight, of purpose, of eternity. See, I don't have to be the high priest to get it all together. I just got to be willing I can be a teenager. I can just start on my relationship with Jesus today and still carry something miraculous from God. And the great thing is, is God shows us that right there in the correlation between Zechariah and between Mary. Now, let's keep going. Let's keep going because we don't even have Joseph in the story yet. Remember, Joseph's still gone. So you got Zechariah, right? And you got Elizabeth who's pregnant, Zechariah's wife. And you got Mary, uh, Joseph's fiance that's pregnant, right? And what happens later on is they come into the room together and it says that their wombs leapt whenever they got in the presence of each other. Why? Well, because they're cousins, pastor. No, because whenever you're, con they're not connected by bloodline, they're connected by call. They're connected by call because previously, you got to grab, are y'all getting this? Is this good? We're doing history and everything all together. Because previous to these announcements, guess what happened? There was 400 years of silence from God. Never spoke through the prophets to his people for 400 years. Go read Malachi. talks about it. It's called the intertestamental period. There's great historical things. I'm not going into all that. Watch this. God breaks 400 years of silence through prophets by announcing a prophet in John the Baptist 
and a savior in Jesus. He's going, I know I've been quiet, but I've been working. And it just because it's quiet doesn't mean I'm not working. And I've been preparing you to get you to a place where the prophet and the savior are coming in. So you got all this going on, right? They leapt because they're connected by call, not bloodline. And then Joseph, his dad looks at him. He's built the house. He's prepared a place. His dad goes, all right, go get your bride. Joseph comes home. He's going to get married. He walks into town. He's kind of strutting his stuff because he's about to get married. And you know what married people do. So he's about to get married. He's about to start his life. He's got Mary on his side. He's about to have his honeymoon. They're about to have their wedding. They're going to party, all this stuff, right? And Travis, his buddy Travis comes up to him, and he goes, Joseph, my man. And just like, what's up? And all of a sudden, Travis goes, good job. Congratulations. Now, this ain't how the Bible tells it, but I'm just telling you, I know how people work. I think this is how it kind of goes. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I built that house by myself. I went to Lowe's and got that bear, like that $80 a gallon paint, you know. Slate gray is the color shoe. And he looks at Travis. He goes, I went to Ikea and put all that furniture together by myself, Travis. Drove me nuts, but I did it. Travis like, what are you talking about, Joseph? That ain't what I'm talking about. Joseph's like, congratulations for what? Mary, man, she's pregnant. Joseph's like, she's pregnant. She what? I've been gone. He's like, man, I'm t- I know what you've been doing. It's hard to hide. Joseph goes, no, she ate some bread last night. He's like, no, she's she pregnant. Joseph's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Travis. Okay, Joseph, I got you. We good, you know. And Joseph walks on. He's trying to go to Mary. And then his friend Chris stops him. He's like, Joseph, boy or girl, you know yet? Boy or girl, what are you talking about? I'm marrying a girl. That's what we're supposed to do. Like, What? He's like, no, 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 Mary's pregnant. Wait, Mary's pregnant? How's Mary pregnant? Mary ain't pregnant. I've been gone. No, Mary's pregnant, I'm telling you. Oh, she got in them Christmas tree cakes last night. No. She been showing a while, bro. Good job. Good job, Joseph. And Joseph's like, wait a second. I'm trying to put you in the shoes of the story. We think all this stuff works out like a Hallmark movie. It don't, y'all. This thing's messy. So Joseph shows up to Mary, and Mary goes, he's like, hey, baby. She's like, hey, baby. You know, she wearing this big overcoat. <laughs> Trying to hide everything. Right? And she goes, Joseph, we need to talk. He's like, yeah, we need to talk. Travis and Chris and grab me. He's like, baby, did you, did you eat all the little Debbies? She's like, No. I left you three. They're in the pantry. But here's what she said. He said, well, Travis and Chris said you're pregnant. Yeah, Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. She goes, you might want to sit down for this. He goes, I ain't sitting down nowhere. No, sir. And so they begin to have this conversation. And Mary looks at Joseph, and he, she goes, I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah, what's his name? I'll go beat him up right now. Who is he? Okay, let's go. Catch these hands. And Mary goes, no, it's not. His name's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> really? Really, Mary? That's where we're going to go? Like, I know we're religious, but you're going to Jesus juke me like that? Right, right, off the, right off the rip. It's the Holy Spirit. Right, okay. All right. And she begins to tell him about the story of how Gabriel shows up and goes, hey, you're going to bear a son. His name's going to be Jesus. You know, like, and she's like, hold up. 
And Joseph shows up, and Joseph is now presented with options. Now, legally and correctly, Joseph could have killed her. He could have stoned her to death in town, in town center, in the city square. Could have taken her in there, could have got her stoned to death for adultery. No questions asked. Is the way it was, it would have been fine. He could, have, he could have wrote the whole thing off, called the whole thing off, got her killed. He could have made her life horrible. And so, or Joseph could have continued with the relationship, continued with the engagement, continued with the marriage, and been the earthly father to this baby that he says, that she says came from a spirit. Would y'all, let's be honest. It's a weird story. If any of y'all's wives came to you and told you that, man, y'all be like, oh, I don't know what you've been smoking, but put it down. Like, let's be real about the whole thing. I'm having some fun today, but like, let's be real. It is a weird story. And so Joseph is contemplating his decision. And it says, actually, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19 that he's made his decision. And here's what it says. It says, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He's a good guy. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to kill her. He didn't want her to wear a scarlet letter the rest of his life. So he planned to just send her away quietly. She was just going to disappear off into the distance and go live her life and raise this child that came from a spirit and go do her own thing while he did his own thing, right? So he's made his decision. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get her killed. I'm not going to embarrass her. She really believes this. I kind of feel bad for her. Let me help. And then in Matthew chapter 1, in verses 20 through 25, this is said. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save people from his sins. And now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and, the, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and she, he called his name Jesus. So Joseph has made his decision. You've got to catch this. I'm going to send her away. I'm going to be a good guy. I'm going to be the nice guy in this thing. I'm not going to kill her. I'm not going to disgrace her. But then the angel shows up to Joseph and greets him the same way. Don't be afraid to do what God's called you to do. And here is where it really becomes applicable to us because Joseph is in quite the predicament. Nobody believes that Mary was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Even hearing it today, there are people that don't believe that. That you're kind of like, mm, I don't know, but there's proof to it. And the reality is, is that his friends are going to look at him and go, you're crazy, Joseph. She cheated on you, Bo. She went and found somebody else. You waited too long. You going to raise somebody else's kid? Go ahead, Joseph. I'm sure that makes you holier than me. But Joseph chose something that changed the course of history. And it's a question you and I have got to ask ourselves. It's the most important question you and I have got to ask ourselves. As followers of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, will we believe God when nobody else will? Will you believe what God tells you to do? Will you believe what God says? Will you believe what God has promised when nobody else does? Joseph's faced with friends and family that are looking at him and going, you are nuts. 
Can you imagine Joseph coming back to Travis and to Chris, his friends, and to his family, to his dad and his mom, and going, yes, she's pregnant, but it's from the Holy Spirit. Oh, sure it is, Joseph. No, you don't understand. The angel came to me and told me about it. I was there. He spoke to me. Oh, Joseph, right, okay. And nobody else would believe him. No, you don't understand, guys. Like, this name's going to be Jesus, Yeshua. He's going to save the world from their sins. Like, he's not coming to overthrow and take a throne. He's coming from the throne to save our souls. Like, you don't understand. And they're going, like, yeah, Joseph from Nazareth is going to raise a son that's smart enough to, to save the world? Right, Joseph. I was in math class with you. Here's the beauty. Joseph and his obedience was not dependent on the acceptance of his friends. It was only dependent on the one that told him. Hear me. Will we believe God when nobody else will? Will I listen to what God has promised me when I don't see it? Will I trust what God has said even when it's tough? Will I believe what God has promised when nobody else around me believes what God has promised? Will I read his word and believe what he's told me will happen, will happen? Will I, will I come to a place to understand that, that, that all shall come to hear the word of the Lord and know him? Will I believe that? Because that is, honestly, the answer to that is the answer to our eternity. Will I believe God when nobody else will? See, I, I'm just crazy enough to think, because watch this. Joseph had to believe that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit when everybody made fun of him for it, and he had to watch her carry that baby and still believe even before the baby was born. Before the first cry, which we'll get to all that next week. Before all of that, Joseph had to go, no, I believe. I have faith. I trust God. Hear me today. Are you willing to trust God even before you see it given birth? My marriage will be what God said it will be. Do you believe that even whenever you haven't seen it happen? My kids will be everything God said they would be. Do you believe that even whenever they're acting like Tasmanian devils? I will see these things come to fruition. Do you believe that? That's the real question. I'm not saying do you doubt sometimes. I'm not saying is there wonder. I'm not saying do you question. I'm saying do you really believe it? Because when Joseph answered that question, it changed the course of eternity for all of us. And I, I mentioned earlier that it came with its complications. Friends and family didn't believe and came against him. And then they had to, we'll talk about this next week, but they had to load up on a donkey and travel 90 miles down to Bethlehem for a census from the king. And all this stuff is taken. I just think it's crazy. Because watch this. God's not giving promises based on hierarchy. God's giving promises based on heart. 
Because the Bible teaches us that it's not the outward appearance that he judges, but it's the heart. And what I want us to walk out of here and know today is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been in life, no matter what happened last night or this morning, there is a new start with God. There is a new place with God. He won't hold that against you. All things are wiped new. The ground is level at the cross. His mercy is new every day because he looks and he goes, I want to use anyone at any time in any place to accomplish my will and I will do it no matter what. Will we really Take God at his word when nobody else will. When the Bible teaches me to love my neighbor as myself, do I believe that? What does it look like? I don't know. It's different for everybody. But that's the answer we got to, that's the question we got to answer today. And I'm excited to answer it. Because I answer it every morning I wake up and every night I go to bed. I answer it with every action I give and every prayer I make. I answer it with every step of faith that I take and every moment that I spend with God. I answer that question to go, no, God, I believe in you. I trust you. I give you everything. Do I believe God enough to give him my life? I'll do it your way, God, because I believe your word, even if I don't want to. That's the question. And Joseph, do you not think Joseph wanted to do it a different way? Come on, right? Joseph wanted to do it the right way. He wanted to do it the way he had it in his mind the whole time. But what if God had different plans? I know you got it in your mind of how everything's supposed to go and it's supposed to feel good and make me happy and all this stuff, but what if God's got different plans? Can I tell you something? That's actually exciting. Because God goes... I want to partner with you to make a difference in this world together. And that is the bottom line of the story of Mary and Joseph. Will you believe God no matter what? I'd love to pray over you today because I'd love to give you a moment to go home and let's live this out and invite people to be a part of this thing. So if you would, we're going to do three things in this prayer. I'm going to give you a moment of salvation if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus today. I'm going to pray over you for the message, and then I want us to grab these cards, everybody in the room. Go ahead, and you can go ahead and grab your card from in front of the, the seat in front of you and the po pocket in front of you. And maybe you got these last week and filled them out. Here's what these are. They're just prayer cards that we want to invite these five people to radiate Christmas at Radiate this coming Sunday. And I want to pray over them with you today. That they wouldn't just say yes to an invite, but yes to Jesus. You would bow your heads with me real quick. If you're in the room and you'd like to give your heart to Jesus today, and you'd say, you know what? I want to submit my life to that kind of Savior, that kind of King, that kind of, that kind of God, that kind of Father that loves me no matter what. I've never really submitted my life to him like that, but I want to today. You're not saved by the prayer, but it starts with the prayer. And so I'd love to pray that over you. So if you would, just in this room, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, would you hold your hand up high right where you are? I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you out, but I would love to walk this out with you right where you are. Amen. Now I just want to pray with you. Father, we thank you for what you've called us to do. We thank you that you don't see us by hierarchy or outward appearance, but you judge our heart. And so, God, I thank you that there's people in this room that walked in and they felt like they couldn't be used by you, but they're walking out knowing they will and can be used by you. 
And so, God, I pray that you'd use us in a great way. And, God, I just pray that in this moment, right now, God, that even whenever difficulties come with the promise, that it's all going to be all right. And we know you and we trust you. And, God, help us answer every day this question. Will I believe God no matter what? Will I believe you, God? When you promise me something, will I believe it? When I read something in your word, will I believe it? Help us answer that every day because that is the answer to our salvation. God, we want to be better followers of Jesus, but we want to be better Christians on this earth too and reach as many people as possible with the love of Jesus. Thank you, God, for partnering with us to change the world, Father. Now, if you would, just grab those cards and just hold them up real quick. I just want to pray over these cards. Even if you got one at home, just hold one up now. You can leave it for the person coming after you. It's symbolic of the one you got at home. Father, we honor you. We worship you. And God, every name that is on these cards or will be on these cards, God, I pray that you'd move in their life. Give us the boldness to invite them to Christmas at Radiate next week. And God, give them the boldness to step up and be here, to fill these chairs. And God, that they'd say yes to this invite, but not just that, but they'd say yes to Jesus. God, we want to change lives. We want to fill the room and watch people's lives change for eternity through the Father, through King Jesus. And God, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. And we give you all that we have. In your name we pray. Amen.